This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Katie Anderson. Irawan by Samuel Butler. Chapter 6 Into Irawan. And now I found myself on a narrow path which followed a small water course. I was too glad to have an easy track for my flight to lay hold of the full significance of its existence. The thought, however, soon presented itself to me that I must be in an inhabited country, but one which was yet unknown. What, then, was to be my fate at the hands of its inhabitants? Should I be taken up and offered as a burnt offering to those hideous guardians of the past? It might be so. I shuddered at the thought, yet the horrors of solitude had now fairly possessed me, and so dazed was I and chilled and woebegone that I could lay hold of no idea firmly amid the crowd of fancies that kept wandering in upon my brain. I hurried onward, down, down, down. More streams came in. Then there was a bridge, a few pine logs thrown over the water, but they gave me comfort, for savages do not make bridges. Then I had a treat such as I can never convey on paper, a moment perhaps the most striking and unexpected of my whole life. The one I think that, with some three or four exceptions, I would most gladly have again were I able to recall it. I got below the level of the clouds into a burst of brilliant evening sunshine. I was facing the northwest, and the sun was full upon me. Oh, how its light cheered me! But what I saw! It was such an expanse as was revealed to Moses when he stood upon the summit of Mount Sinai, and beheld that promised land which it was not to be his to enter. The beautiful sunset sky was crimson and gold, blue, silver, and purple, exquisite and tranquilizing. Fading away therein were plains, on which I could see many a town and city, with buildings that had lofty steeples and rounded domes. Nearer beneath me lay ridge behind ridge, outline behind outline, sunlight behind shadow, and shadow behind sunlight, gully and serrated ravine. I saw large pine forests and the glitter of a noble river winding its way upon the plains also many villages and hamlets, some of them quite near at hand, and it was on these that I pondered most. I sank upon the ground at the foot of a large tree and thought what I had best do, but I could not collect myself. I was tired out, and presently, feeling warmed by the sun and quieted, I fell off into a profound sleep. I was awoke by the sound of tinkling bells, and looking up I saw four or five goats feeding near me. As soon as I moved, the creatures turned their heads toward me with an expression of infinite wonder. They did not run away, but stood stock still, and looked at me from every side as I at them. Then came the sound of chattering and laughter, and there approached two lovely girls of about seventeen or eighteen years old, dressed each in a sort of linen gabardine, with a girdle round the waist. They saw me. I sat quite still and looked at them, dazzled with their extreme beauty. For a moment they looked at me and at each other in great amazement. Then they gave a little frightened cry and ran off as hard as they could. So that's that, I said to myself as I watched them scampering. I knew that I'd better stay where I was and meet my fate, whatever it was to be, and even if there was a better course, I had no strength left to take it. I must come into contact with the inhabitants sooner or later, and it might as well be sooner. Better not to seem afraid of them, as I should do by running away and being caught with a hue and a cry tomorrow or next day. So I remained quite still and waited. In about an hour I heard distant voices talking excitedly, 
and in a few minutes i saw the two girls bringing up a party of six or seven men well armed with bows and arrows and pikes there was nothing for it so i remained sitting quite still even after they had seen me until they came close up then we all had a good look at one another both the girls and men were very dark in color but not more so than the south italians or spaniards the men wore no trousers but were dressed nearly the same as the arabs whom i have seen in algeria they were of the most magnificent presence being no less strong and handsome than the women were beautiful and not only this but their expression was courteous and benign i think they would have killed me at once if i had made the slightest show of violence but they gave me no impression of their being likely to hurt me so long as i was quiet i am not much given to liking anybody at first sight but these people impressed me much more favorably than i should have thought possible so that i could not fear them as i scanned their faces one after another they were all powerful men i might have been a match for any one of them singly for i have been told that i have more to glory in the flesh than in any other respect being over six feet and proportionately strong but any two could have soon mastered me even were i not so bereft of energy by my recent adventures my color seemed to surprise them most for i have light hair blue eyes and a fresh complexion they could not understand how these things could be my clothes also seemed quite beyond them their eyes kept wandering all over me and the more they looked the less they seemed able to make me out at last i raised myself upon my feet and leaning upon my stick i spoke whatever came into my head to the man who seemed foremost among them i spoke in english though i was very sure that he would not understand i said that i had no idea what country i was in that i had stumbled upon it almost by accident after a series of hairbreadth escapes and that i trusted they would not allow any evil to overtake me now that i was completely at their mercy all this i said quietly and firmly with hardly any change of expression they could not understand me but they looked approvingly to one another and seemed pleased so i thought that i showed no fear nor acknowledgment of inferiority the fact being that i was exhausted beyond the sense of fear then one of them pointed to the mountain in the direction of the statues and made a grimace in imitation of one of them i laughed and shuddered expressively whereon they all burst out laughing too and chattered hard to one another i could make out nothing of what they said but i think they thought it a rather good joke that i had come past the statues then one among them came forward and motioned me to follow which i did without hesitation for i dared not thwart them moreover i liked them well enough and felt tolerably sure that they had no intention of hurting me in about a quarter of an hour we got to a small hamlet built on the side of a hill with a narrow street and houses huddled up together the roofs were large and overhanging some few windows were glazed but not many altogether the village was exceedingly like one of those that one comes upon in descending the less known passes over the alps on to lombardy i will pass over the excitement which my arrival caused suffice it that though there was an abundance of curiosity there was no rudeness i was taken to the principal house which seemed to belong to the people who had captured me there i was hospitably entertained and a supper of milk and goat's flesh with a kind of oat cake was set before me of which i ate heartily but all the time i was eating i could not help turning my eyes upon the two beautiful girls whom i had first seen and who seemed to consider me as their lawful prize which indeed i was for i would have gone through fire and water for either of them then came the inevitable surprise at seeing me smoke which i will spare the reader but i noticed that when they saw me strike a match there was a hubbub of excitement which it struck me was not altogether unmixed with disapproval 
why i could not guess then the women retired and i was left alone with the men who tried to talk to me in every conceivable way but we could come to no understanding except that i was quite alone and had come from a long way over the mountains in the course of time they grew tired and i very sleepy i made signs as though i would sleep on the floor in my blankets but they gave me one of their bunks with plenty of dried fern and grass onto which i had no sooner laid myself than i fell fast asleep nor did i awake till well into the following day when i found myself in the hut with two men keeping guard over me and an old woman cooking when i woke the men seemed pleased and spoke to me as though bidding me good morning in a pleasant tone i went out of doors to wash in a creek which ran a few yards from the house my hosts were as engrossed with me as ever they never took their eyes off me following every action that i did no matter how trifling and each looking toward the other for his opinion at every touch and turn they took great interest in my ablutions for they seemed to have doubted whether i was in all respects human like themselves they even laid hold of my arms and overhauled them and expressed approval when they saw that they were strong and muscular they now examined my legs and especially my feet when they desisted they nodded approvingly to each other and when i had combed and brushed my hair and generally made myself as neat and well arranged as circumstances would allow i could see that their respect for me increased greatly and that they were by no means sure that they had treated me with sufficient deference a matter on which i am not competent to decide all i know is that they were very good to me for which i thanked them heartily as it might well have been otherwise for my own part i liked them and admired them for their quiet self-possession and dignified ease impressed me pleasurably at once neither did their manner make me feel as though i were personally distasteful to them only that I was a thing utterly new and unlooked for which they could not comprehend. Their type was more that of the most robust Italians than any other. Their manners were also eminently Italian in their entire unconsciousness of self. Having traveled a good deal in Italy, I was struck with little gestures of the hand and shoulders which constantly reminded me of that country. My feeling was that my wisest plan would be to go on as I had begun, and be simply myself for better or worse such as i was and taking my chance accordingly i thought of these things while they were waiting for me to have done washing and on my way back then they gave me breakfast hot bread and milk and fried flesh of something between mutton and venison their ways of cooking and eating were european though they had only a skewer for a fork and a sort of butcher's knife to cut with the more i looked at everything in the house the more i was struck with its quasi-european character and had the walls only been pasted over with extracts from the illustrated london news and punch i could have almost fancied myself in a shepherd's hut upon my master's sheep run and yet everything was slightly different it was much the same with the birds and flowers on the other side as compared with the english ones on my arrival i had been pleased at noticing that nearly all the plants and birds were very like common english ones thus there was a robin and a lark and a wren and daisies and dandelions not quite the same as the English, but still very like them, quite like enough to be called by the same name. So now, here, the ways of these two men, and the things that they had in the house, were all very nearly the same as in Europe. It was not at all like going to China or Japan, where everything that one sees is strange. I was indeed at once struck with the primitive character of their appliances, for they seemed to be some five or six hundred years behind Europe in their inventions. But this is the case in many an Italian village." all the time that i was eating my breakfast i kept speculating as to what family of mankind they could belong to and shortly there came an idea into my head which brought the blood into my cheeks with excitement as i thought of it 
Was it possible that they might be the lost ten tribes of Israel, of whom I had heard both my grandfather and father make mention as existing in an unknown country and awaiting a final return to Palestine? Was it possible that I might have been designed by Providence as the instrument of their conversion? Oh, what a thought was this! I laid down my skewer and gave them a hasty survey. There was nothing of a Jewish type about them. Their noses were distinctly Grecian, and their lips, though full, were not Jewish. How could I settle this question? I knew neither Greek nor Hebrew, and even if I should get to understanding the language here spoken, I should be unable to detect the roots of either of those tongues. I had not been long enough among them to ascertain their habits, but they did not give me the impression of being a religious people. This too was natural. The ten tribes had always been lamentably irreligious. But could I not make them change? To restore the lost ten tribes of Israel to a knowledge of the only truth, here would be indeed an immortal crown of glory. My heart beat fast and furious as I entertained the thought. What a position would it not ensure me in the next world, or perhaps even in this? What folly would it be to throw such a chance away? I should rank next to the apostles, if not as high as they, certainly above the minor prophets, and possibly above any Old Testament writer except Moses and Isaiah. For such a future as this I would sacrifice all that I have without a moment's hesitation, could I be reasonably assured of it. I had always cordially approved of missionary efforts, and had at times contributed my might toward their support and extension. But I had never hitherto felt drawn toward becoming a missionary myself, and indeed had always admired and envied and respected them more than I had exactly liked them. But if these people were the lost ten tribes of Israel, the case would be widely different. The opening was too excellent to be lost, and I resolved that should I see indications which appeared to confirm my impression that I had indeed come upon the missing tribes, I would certainly convert them. I may here mention that this discovery is the one to which I alluded in the opening pages of my story. Time strengthened the impression made upon me at first, and though I remained in doubt for several months, I feel now no longer uncertain. When I had done eating, my hosts approached and pointed down the valley leading to their own country, as though wanting to show that I must go with them. At the same time they laid hold of my arms and made as though they would take me, but used no violence. I laughed and motioned my hand across my throat, pointing down the valley, as though I was afraid lest I should be killed when I got there. But they divined me at once and shook their heads with much decision to show that I was in no danger. Their manner quite reassured me, and in half an hour or so I had packed up my swag and was eager for the forward journey, feeling wonderfully strengthened and refreshed by good food and sleep, while my hope and curiosity were aroused to their very utmost by the extraordinary position in which I found myself. But already my excitement had begun to cool, and I reflected that these people might not be the ten tribes after all, in which case I could not but regret that my hopes of making money, which had led me into so much trouble and danger, were almost annihilated by the fact that the country was full to overflowing, with a people who had probably already developed its more available resources. Moreover, how was I to get back, for there was something about my hosts which told me that they had got me, and meant to keep me in spite of all their goodness. End of chapter 6